Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. We're in the series Give, Go, Grow, and you know we've been talking about... uh, uh, raising money to get into our own building, and that's going well. I, I want to thank you for everyone that's contributing, and, and will contribute to that. Uh, but this morning, I want to talk about another popular topic. Last week, I talked about sacrifice, and this week, I'm going to talk about obey, about obedience. And you know, when we when I think about what God has called us to do here at Life Fellowship, it's to make disciples. It's to become committed followers of Christ. It's it's for us to grow up spiritually. And so these messages, I know they're challenging because they're challenging to me as well, but they're necessary if we want to go to that place that the Lord is taking us. And if we want to impact the world in the manner in which God is wanting us to impact the world, we need to, to get these things and we need to grow in our relationship. Growth requires sacrifice. And last week I talked about spiritual growth and maturity requires sacrifice. It's our choice to live a sacrificial life and to be humble. And when I talk about sacrifice, I'm not talking about from a legalistic, ritualistic manner, but from just giving our life to to the Lord and letting Him work in our hearts and lives. Because if we could fix ourselves, we would, right? But we can't. If you could fix your wife, you would. If your wife could fix you, she would. But we need the Lord working in our lives. And again, growth requires sacrifice. And so this week we'll be looking at uh, some ways that we can continue to grow in our relationship. Another element of spiritual growth other than sacrifice is demonstrated through our obedience. Are we obeying the Lord? Are we doing what he asks us to do? And I, I thought that Juan gave us a great intro into this message today because we can hear his voice and choose to disobey or walk away or not listen to what he's telling us. So it's one thing to hear the voice of the Lord. It's another thing to to live it and to walk this thing out and to obey. So our obedience is not always what we want. I found that in this Christian walk, I don't always get my way, and it's not always a fun thing. But I know that as I yield to the Lord, God is doing something in my heart and life for me to help me not to hurt me. So even, even Jesus obeyed the Father. He said, not my will, but yours be done. And what is our heart in, in this relationship with the Lord? Is it authentic? Is it transparent? Is it honest? Are we willing to yield to him? In Hebrews 5.8, it says, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered so even Jesus went through suffering. And, and when we think about his suffering, we think about probably his death on the cross, forgiveness for our sins. But he even submitted to the will of the Father and saying, I submit to you, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus cho- chose to obey the Father and endure great suffering. And I don't know why we as Christians think we're going to get through this life without any challenges, without going through something, without any suffering. Because we we want to hear teachings that say that everything is fine and we're never going to have any challenges. But that's not what the Word says. 
It says, count it all joy, not if, but when you go through trials and tribulations. For the testing of your faith builds your patience or your perseverance. And when your perseverance is complete, then you are complete, lacking nothing. See, this, this is a process that God is doing in our hearts and lives. Not to uh, 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 hinder us or to, to make our life terrible, but to help us grow. Because God wants to see us walk in the fullness that he created us to walk in. And so it requires something of us. Um, obedience is the key to blessings. When we obey, we, we see time and time again where the children of Israel were blessed when they obeyed. We see time and time again where they would begin to turn away from God and where they would begin to worship idols and these pagan gods and they would get taken into captivity. And then they would turn their hearts back toward God and God would release them from their captives and, and set them free and they would walk in the fullness that God had for them. But we're much like that too as we choose to disobey and walk away from the things of God. And again, I'm not talking from a ritualistic, legalistic approach, but from a relational uh, position where we have this relationship with the Lord. And we want him to, uh, to work in our hearts and lives, to heal us, to, to touch our marriages and, our, and, and see our families healed and see our children grow strong in the Lord and train them up and equip them. Disobedience was the downfall of King Saul. In 1 Samuel 13, Saul disobeys. He doesn't uh, wait on Samuel, but offers a sacrifice to God himself. Samuel said, wait for seven days until I come, and then we'll offer a sacrifice. Saul got impatient. Any of us ever get impatient? <laughs> and he said, you know what? Samuel's not here. The, the, some of the... Uh, Warriors are heading off. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and offer the sacrifice myself. How many times do we do that? Where, we, where we're impatient. Where we won't wait on God. I'm preaching to me right now. <laughs> but this, I think this is for all of us. And so that requires faith. That requires trust. Let's go to 1 Samuel 15. Again, Saul disobeys God. One day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to the message from the Lord. So Samuel is saying, listen, you're the king. God appointed you to the king. Now he has a message for you. Listen to his message. Verse 2, 1 Samuel 15, 2. This is what the Lord of heaven's army has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. So the Amalekites were descendants of Ishmael, and they were terrorists. They, were, they would uh, attack people and steal and rob from them and, and take their possessions and their family. In Exodus 17, we know that uh, when Israel was going to the promised land, that they were attacked by the Amalekites. This, is, uh, this was several hundred years uh, before um, when they were in the desert, when they were traveling to the promised land. And uh, you, may, you may remember the battle. This is a battle where as long as Moses held up the staff in his arms, they were winning. But when his hands would get tired, his arms would get tired, he'd begin to lower his arms and they would begin to lose. So um, it was Joshua and Hur, they, they held up his arms so that, that he could hold his, the staff in his arms up. And they, they won the battle. And after the victory, God declared, 
I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And so there were consequences for what they did. And let me be clear, there are consequences for us when we sin and when we disobey. This is not a, a fire and brimstone message. This is a truth message. And we all need the truth. We all need to walk in the obedience that God has called us to. And he is a gracious, merciful God. And not giving us what we deserve. But loving us through our challenges and helping us to grow. And so let's, let's pick up in uh, 1 Samuel 15.3. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite uh, nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Pl- pretty clear instructions, right? And I don't, I don't see where Samuel is saying this is negotiable. He's saying this is what the Lord is telling you to do. Let's skip down to verse 7. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Okay, wait a minute. He captured the king. Did did Samuel say, capture the king? Let's read on. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to, to them, they destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Let's go back to verse 3, the instructions. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys, and keep what's good. Do not save the king, do not save the sheep, do not save the goats, do not save the lambs. Completely destroy the entire nation. Let's go back, um, let's go to to verse 10. Um, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Samuel had an understanding of the importance of obeying the Lord. And I think many times when we see people in the Bible that really loved God and loved his people, when they saw disobedience or when they saw some of these things happen, it it touched their heart because they loved God and they loved the, the things that God loves, which is people. And Samuel honored and respected the Lord. And he knew that there would be consequences for Saul's disobedience. And there were, because they had to deal with the Amalekites later. But uh, as a manager or, or a, a supervisor, if you're in that role, you realize that conflict is, is part of what you have to deal with. You have to deal with issues. And as a man of God, Saul knew that he needed to, I mean, Samuel knew that he was going to have to deal with this, that God would deal with it, but he had a responsibility. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about the corporate setting, uh, how important it is that, that we uh, lead well. And um, I was thinking about how as a manager or supervisor or, or, or someone in position of authority, we have to deal with conflict 
and we have to handle that well. But how much greater for things that, that are involving people, the kingdom of God? We're not talking about a job. We're talking about the life of people. We're talking about the life of a nation. And so disobedience was not just impacting Saul and his men. It impacted the entire nation. And so as, as, uh, as we lead as Christians, as we impact the world, are we obeying? Are we dealing with the things, or allowing God to deal with the things in our lives? But also, when we see something going on in our family, are we dealing with that, or do we bury our head in the sand? And, and are we saying, hey, listen, let me, let me help you in this situation. Let me lead you to the cross. Let me stand with you as we pray. Because sometimes we need, like Juan was talking about, we need somebody to, to come alongside of us. But really what we need is we need to hear the voice of the Lord guiding us and leading us in, in our decisions and the things that we're walking through. And so when, when we have uh, the opportunity to help someone, let's help someone. Let's help people. And let's go out and live it. Let's be an example for others to follow. And so uh, Samuel had a responsibility to go and say something to Saul. And Samuel's heart was for the people and for the Lord. And that King Saul would obey. But he's seeing something here that doesn't, that there's a character issue. There's an obedience issue with Saul. Let's, let's look at verse 12. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. <laughs> he went to set up a monument to who? <laughs> and why? <laughs> Let's read on. Verse 13. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Yo, dude, what's up? Hey, man, we're good. We carried out the Lord's command. Hey, what's up, Sam? What's up, Sammy? Come on, man, give me a high five. But Sammy wasn't buying it. Verse 14. Then what is this bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. Saul was busted. Saul disobeyed. But you know, the thing is, it gets worse. He begins to be deceitful. Let's look at verse 15. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. <laughs> Come on. Have you ever, you know, maybe you've done this. You, you tried to wiggle your way out of a lie. You try to deceive, or, or maybe somebody's done that to you. I hate that. You know, I hate that. Just fess up. You know, come on. And so anyway, th the thing that's going on here is Saul is lying to cover his disobedience, and he never intended to sacrifice those animals. He's just backtracking. He's just trying to make something up as he goes along because he's smooth, and he thinks Samuel's going to buy it. And then the other thing that we see in the Scripture is that he says, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God. So what we, what we see in this is further indication that, that Saul is, is not really in this relationship with the Lord, but 
It's Samuel's God. We were going to, oh, yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to deceive you now we, I, and tell you that we were going to sacrifice those animals, a lie, and then we're going to sacrifice them to your God. Not my God, but your God. Our actions are a reflection of our heart. Our actions demonstrate what's in our heart. And our words will demonstrate what's in our heart too. Oops. <laughs> because the word says, out of the abundance, out of the abundance of our heart does our mouth speak. So when you say something and it just comes out, that's out of the abundance of your heart, what's in your heart. So what's coming forth from our mouth and tongue? What are we speaking forth? Are we proclaiming the things of God? You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. Hey, I can sing too. <laughs> well, the word says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All right, we'll stay with that. So what are we proclaiming? What's coming out of our heart? What are we speaking over our marriages? What are we speaking over ourselves? What are we speaking over our lives? Are we proclaiming the things of God? Are we speaking forth the things that God says? Are we speaking other things? So our actions are a reflection of our heart. The words that we speak are a reflection of what's in our heart. Let's look at verse 16. Then Samuel said to Saul, said to Saul Stop, listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked? Now Saul wants to, to hear what the Lord says. Oh, what did he tell you now? Verse 17, and Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. Deceitfulness and lying is a significant char character flaw that we see in Saul. And, you know, why didn't, why didn't Saul just come clean? Was it pride? I think we'll find that probably that is it. I think Saul was extremely insecure. And uh, Samuel saying, listen, God made you the king of Israel that given you this responsibility to lead his people. And even though you may think little of yourself, even though you may be secure in, in yourself, you need to be looking to the Lord for your strength and you need to lead these people well because God is looking at you to lead them as a king. Step up. Step up to the plate, grow some courage, and lead these people. And sometimes God needs to speak to us, step up and lead. Do what I've called you to do. Quit being a wimp. You have my Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. I'm with you. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. I will be with you. And so I've called you to lead and to lead well and to lead strong. Insecurity will often manifest itself as pride. We can sabotage and delay God's calling on our lives due to our unhealed woundedness and our, our uh, insecurities and selfishness and things like that. Many of us are called. But there's a difference between a calling and being sent. And so many times God has a calling on our life but he's working some stuff in us and out of us to send us. I've seen it happen numerous times where people are called, but they hinder or they uh, don't walk in the fullness of the calling that God has for them because of character issues. And God is saying, I'm not going to send you even though I've called you. 
until you get your character issues right, until you get your heart right, until you get your desires to obey me correct. Then I'll send you. Because God wants us to, to love his people and be a reflection of him. I know we're all human. I know we all make mistakes. But listen, there's a standard that God has for sending us out to lead his people. And Saul uh, was missing that. The, the thing he was missing was the character. Samuel tells him, you may think little of yourself, but God, God himself made you king of his people. Are you not understanding the importance and the gravity and, and the responsibility of that? And you're going to let your insecurities drive you to disobey and, and do what you think the people want you to do rather than what I'm asking you to do? Maybe Saul became full of himself. Well, he went and built a monument to himself. So we get a lot of insight into the character and the heart of Saul as we read through these scriptures. Maybe he thought he was greater than God. Maybe he got puffed up. Maybe his insecurities were driving his decisions. Let's look at verse 18. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. That's pretty clear, right? Completely what does completely mean? It means, in the Greek, it means completely. <laughs> in English, it means completely destroy. Yet he brings back the king and all this stuff. Let's look at verse 19. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but, uh, but, but I destroyed everyone else. No, he didn't obey. And now he straight up lies to Samuel. I mean, here Samuel has insight from the Lord. He's like, why did you rush for the plunder? It's like God gave him insight into what was going on, and Saul's going to try to lie to him? <laughs> then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in, in Gilgal. Deception. You know, here's the thing about deception is we as people, we can become so deceived that we deceive ourselves. We can begin to compromise and we can begin to justify sin and disobedience or doing things wrong. You know, you know people like that that have done that. I mean, is it really any different than, than what Saul is doing here? He's trying to justify Oh, yeah, well, we, we brought back these, these items to sacrifice to, to the Lord your God. Well, we're going to find out there's more to it than this. Justification for disobedience and sin is not acceptable to the Lord. Why? Because he loves us. And he, when he gives us a purpose and a plan, then he expects us to obey. If we say that he's Lord and Savior, is he really Lord of our life? Are we still the Lord of our life? And we just, he's Lord of our life. Well, if it's convenient, and if I get my way, and if I get to do what I want to do. Verse 22, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, 
Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. So even if, which is not the case, even if Saul had brought these, these animals back to sacrifice, Samuel's saying, it's better that you obey. God, God, didn't, God didn't tell you to bring those animals back to sacrifice. He said to, he wanted you to obey. And so what we want to do sometimes is we want to compromise or we want to justify or we want to do something different than what the Lord is telling us to do. The Lord expects obedience. Verse 23, uh, Samuel continues here, Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So Samuel tells him straight up that God's removing him as king. Then, after all this, after all this, now Saul wants to come clean. And he gives a real reason for his disobedience. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. Oh, wow. Spoiler alert. Oh, boom. Okay, yes, I admit it. Finally, yes, I've sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. There it is right there. That, that's the heart of, of why Saul disobeyed. I was afraid of the people, and I did what they demanded. I did what they wanted. I was more afraid of the people. I was less responsive to the Lord and did what they wanted me to do. I guess he didn't understand or appreciate the position. And I guess it was like, well, I, I just want people to love me. You know, I, I, I just, I'm more concerned about people than I am what the Lord thinks of me. But hold on. It gets worse. But now, please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you. Since you have rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. Then Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Again, who's God? Your God. So he cares more about what the people think. Hey, please come back with me, Samuel, because if you don't come back with me, they'll think that something's wrong. But I have, you know, I have an ego to hold up, and I want the people to see that you're with me, and, and uh, I built this monument to myself because it's all about me. I want to look good. He should have been on his face repenting. But see, he still doesn't get it. Oh, come on. Oh, it's okay, Samuel. Just come on back with me. Come on. And honor me in the presence of the elders, in the presence of people that will be seeing us. What is our heart? Is our heart that, that people will that we'll be people pleasers and people will love us? Yeah, we all want to be loved. We all want to be popular. But... Are we willing to forsake that, forsake God for that? Because of why? Because of our insecurities, our pride. We see Saul's character in his heart. 
Our, our walk with the Lord should not be about looking good and stroking our ego. Our walk with the Lord should be in connection with Him, in this relationship with Him, honoring Him. And as we honor Him, as we obey Him, as we follow Him, He'll lift us up. If we humble ourselves, he will exalt us. If we exalt ourselves, he will humble us. Yielding our hearts and lives to him is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with the Lord. That's how we say it here at Life Fellowship. It's about this intimate relationship with him. And so as we develop, as we come into this relationship with the Lord, and as we grow in that relationship, we maintain that connectivity to him, and we continue to grow. And then as we're growing, we're going out and modeling it. We're going out and living it. We're demonstrating. And as we go out and demonstrate this real intimate relationship with him, we're being further developed. We're growing in that relationship. And so this is a lifelong process of where God is working in our hearts and lives, and he's preparing us for more. And some of you have a calling on your life. And he's like, okay, I've got this calling on your life, but I'm still preparing you. I'm still working in your heart. And soon I will send you, but you've got to complete the course. And again, please hear me. This is not about a ritualistic, legalistic, religious thing. It's about a relationship with him where we yield our hearts and lives to him and allow him to be the Lord of our life, to allow him to lead us and guide us. Yielding our hearts and lives to him is the key. And then obedience is the second part of that. So Samuel finally agreed and went back with him and saw worship the Lord. Disobedience creates multiple problems for us and impacts others too. Because Saul's disobedience didn't just impact him and his family, it impacted the whole nation. And we see when, when the children of Israel were going to take the promised land, and they went to Jericho, and they defeated the enemies at, at Jericho. And uh, the Lord said, don't take any of the plunder. And Achan stole. And then they went to the next battle. They went to take Ai, which should have been easy. You know, Joshua says, we don't even need to take the whole army. We can just take 3,000. And they got their tails whipped. But then they found out that Achan had stolen. It did, see, it didn't just Im impact Achan's family in Achan's life, it impacted the whole nation of Israel. And I, I think the word says there were 36 uh, Israelites that got killed in that battle because of one man's disobedience. So if you think that your disobedience to the Lord isn't going to impact anyone but you, you're mistaken. It's going to impact your family. It's going to impact your church family. All of us. We need to obey the word of the Lord. We need to do what he's asked us to do because it's not just our life that hangs in the balance. It's the lives of other people. Think of your children. Think of families that have been faithful in the Lord and trained up their children in the ways of the Lord. And you see those children grow up to be mighty men and women of God, strong in the Lord because they have that foundation and they can walk in the fullness of what God has called them to because they've been trained and equipped and they have a solid foundation. An intimate relationship with Jesus, with Jesus will help us to trust him more because it really comes down to trust. A lot of times, do we really trust him? 
He wants to help us grow up. And by growing up, sometimes he brings exposure in our life to things like pride, insecurity, fear, jealousy, unforgiveness. Do you have unforgiveness towards someone? Man, you need to take that to the Lord and say, God, help me to choose to forgive them. This intimate relationship with Jesus will help us to love him more and to love others, to really love others. Not just, hey, brother, I love you, man. I don't really like that guy. But do we really love one another? And so I pray this prayer. Lord, help me to love others like you love me and you love them. And God does something in my heart with that prayer. He helps me to really love others. And that is a blessing that we have access to, to really love people like God loves them and God loves us. And so in obedience, the children took Israel, took possession of the promised land, and when they followed after him, when they obeyed, they were blessed, they had favor, they had peace. Obedience is key to our life. Let's look at Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Are you spending time thinking about the things of God? What, what are you thinking about? Things that are true, lovely, just, righteous, pure, holy? What are we filling our mind with? Are we reading the word of God? Are we quoting scripture to ourselves? Are we spending time in prayer? I do a lot of those little, you know, popcorn prayers. Just as I'm going through the day, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I ask for your help. I ask for your guidance and leading. But they, they delight in the, the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Bearing fruit in every season. How would you like to bear fruit in the barren seasons, in the dry times? How would you like to still bear fruit when it seems like there is no fruitfulness coming from other people's lives, but you're bearing fruit? That's what God's talking about. We can be bearing fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can be bearing fruit when we don't feel like bearing any fruit. When we're going through a, a desert season, when we stay connected to the source, we can still be bearing fruit. Our leaves will ne never wither, will prosper in all we do. Obedience is an indication of God's character resident in our life. I know that this this message is, is a hard message for all of us. And I want to have a tall moment, a transparent, authentic, and honest moment with you. Um, you know, the Lord tells us to keep the commandments. And there's one commandment that me and, and many other pastors think it's okay to break. I want to hit the lights, Steve. Uh, and that's to not take a Sabbath. And I struggle, I struggle to take a day off. But you know what? When I don't take a day off, 
that's disobedience. And pastors, many pastors think that uh, we only have to keep nine of the Ten Commandments. Everybody else has to keep ten, but pastors only have to keep nine. But we all, listen, we all have challenges. We all have to obey the Lord and do things that, that are uncomfortable and stretch us. But it's important. So don't call me on Friday. <laughs> don't tempt me, please. But the, the, the thing that I want to convey this morning is God loves us. And you want, you love your children, you love your grandchildren, and you want them to obey. Why? Because you know that it's a blessing for them to obey. And our Heavenly Father knows it's a blessing for us when we obey. Because we can avoid some traps and some pitfalls that He can see that we may not be able to see. So I want us to be encouraged this morning. I want us to say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to obey. We're going to do whatever it is the Lord says. We're going to spend time. We're going to listen for His voice. And then we're going to choose to obey. And we're going to help one another. We can hold one another accountable. That's one of the reasons the local church is so vitally important. Hey, man, I'm really struggling with with taking a Sabbath. Did you take a Sabbath this week? We can hold one another accountable. We can encourage one another in love with grace and mercy. I want to give you just a quick update on the building fund campaign. Uh, We're we're at about $162,000. So you guys are doing good. Keep on, keep on, keeping on. And uh, we're, we're still praying about what our next step is, what the next building looks like, and, you know, that we want to purchase a building or some land and build or whatever that looks like. So please continue to pray and, and obey, pray and obey, and do whatever it is the Lord says. I feel a rap coming on. <laughs> so just pray and obey and just... You know, I want to thank all of you that have given so graciously and generously. And there's some of us that are still giving, and, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, the prayer team will be over here if you have prayer needs. And let's stand up, and let's recite these scriptures. Let's bless one another. Let's reach out our hands and maybe turn around and bless one another if you'll uh, recite this with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. What a great blessing. The Lord loves you. He has a great purpose and plan for you. And he wants you to impact the world around you as you go out and live it. Thank you for being here this morning. See you soon. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2018. Have a great week, and remember to live it. God bless you.